We hear so much nowadays about minority bias, but how can that impact medical treatment? We're discussing minority health, recognizing implicit biases, and providing optimal patient care. Welcome to the American College of Osteopathic Internists podcast, Docs Off the Clock. Juggling the business of medicine and caring for patients means doctors always seem to be on the clock. Docs Off the Clock features some of today's best voices in healthcare with tips on how to live a better, balanced life. Thanks for listening. I'm Joey Waller. Our guest, Dr. Watson Ducatel, chair of the ACOI Committee on Health Equity and Inclusion in Medicine. Dr. Ducatel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So this is obviously a very important topic. And to start us off, as it relates to minority patient care, what do we mean, in your view, by implicit bias? So implicit bias is kind of this big term that was coined back in the 1990s by two individuals, Dr. Banaji and Dr. Greenwald. And what they were doing, they were studying how we think and how we have these things, these, these biases, these preferences that we're completely unaware of that comes into play or have an effect on our decision-making, our attitudes towards different things that we may find ourselves doing. So, you know, whenever we have to make a decision about a particular thing or whenever we have to execute an action, uh, there's these un conscious evaluations, associations that are influencing what type of decisions and attitudes and actions we take. So that's what we mean by implicit biases. Gotcha. So what would be a couple of good examples of that? So a good example would be, and I like to tell this story and I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Father and son are coming home and they're driving And on their way home, they unfortunately get into a very bad car accident. And the father is severely hurt and the son is hurt as well. The father, emergency response was not at the scene. The father is actually pronounced deceased or dead at at the scene of the car accident. The son is taken to the hospital and rushed through the ER, rushed into the emergency room, evaluated. Subsequently, it's being shuffled to the operating room because of his injuries. The surgeon comes in and starts to do their thing. And the son is on the table and the surgeon says, wait, I cannot go through with the surgery. And when asked why, the surgeon says, I can't operate on my son. Now, a lot of people, when they're hearing the surgeon, they're confused because they're like, wait, I thought you said the father died. And in fact, I reacted that way initially. And the question then was, or the, or, the, or the understanding after that was, wait, no one said the surgeon was the father, the surgeon was the mother. But if you are like most people who will make the assumption that the surgeon had to be the father, then you, like most people hearing this story, had an implicit bias where we associate men with surgeons and we associate men with careers and women with the children or at home. So that's an example of an implicit bias, what we mean when we say people, we all have these unconscious evaluations and associations or judgments that come into play that affect our attitudes, our, our actions and decisions. And it's interesting, Doc, that you told that story because I've heard that before told in a slightly different way where it's more 
almost in the form of kind of a, I guess, a brain teaser, right? Where you'll tell someone that same story and get to the punchline, I can't operate on my son. And then you say to the person you're telling the story to, what happened here? And they're often stumped because they don't think that the surgeon, as you said, could be a woman. So having said all that, how much of implicit bias in the medical field is based on one's background, such as where you grew up, things that affected you coming up through the world as a younger person, just as would be the case in other sorts of areas of life where people are guilty of implicit bias? Well, here's the thing that I want people to know about implicit bias. Implicit biases are not negative or positive things per se in themselves. Certainly, the people's implicit biases can lead to outcomes that can be negative and or positive. But the, the having the bias, the bias itself isn't a necessarily bad thing or 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 good thing. In other words, people that are well intentioned that have egalitarian type views who who wouldn't consider themselves a discriminatory person or a person that holds views that see people unequal equitably, they themselves may not believe that, you know, they, they have some bias. Implicit biases can affect anyone and does affect anyone or in all of us. So when we talk about medicine, particularly, of course, physicians are humans just like everyone else. And we have shortcomings just like all other humans in, in the many different disciplines and professions that exist. And we too have to deal with our implicit biases when we are encountering our patient care. I personally have been on the receiving end of implicit biases and certainly have had, have biases myself, just like each one of us. But speaking from a perspective of, you know, specific groups who, according to the research, bear the brunt of kind of the bad outcomes that are associated with implicit biases. There are three main groups that are severely affected by them, it seems, based on the research. And that is brown skin, people who are women, and people who are considered advanced age or old or older. Those three groups suffer from the consequences of implicit biases, perhaps at disproportionate rates than other groups of people or groups in general in which there are, you know, biases come to play or have some type of effect and effect on, on their, on their existence, on their social well-being, on their physical well-being. So it definitely has a profound impact in, in what we do It's medicine. We're just now learning about that impact. We're trying to find ways to measure that impact. And we're trying to find ways to measure, you know, once we become aware, once we put in measures to make, you know, to, to prevent one from using these or relying on these implicit biases in their practice of medicine, what type of effect does it have or does it have an effect on all? So the, all that's still very much underway in the research. Well, speaking of which, since you alluded to it there, in what ways can implicit biases impact both patient care and maybe even the patient-doctor relationship from your experience? 
That's a that's a great question. So the research is is very clear on that. There have been hundreds and hundreds of studies throughout the last three decades on the effects of implicit biases in healthcare, particularly. But there are there are two major studies that kind of were very famous. Was was reported all throughout the national press, um, local presses. One came in the form of an article that came out in 1999, and it was it's titled The Effect on Race and Sex on Physician Recommendations for Cardiac Catheterization. And what this said is that basically when they looked at men and women and they looked at who were around the same age but had different skin tones, the recommendations were different for going on and having these cardiac procedures. And they concluded that this was likely due to implicit biases based off the way they designed the study. And when this article came out, it was it was highly controversial because it was the first big article to suggest that doctors were treating people differently based off the way they looked. And of course, most doctors that I know at least pride themselves on treating everyone fairly. So this was a shock to the system. So that was the first article. And then after that, Congress actually commissioned a committee to understand and eliminate racial and ethnic disparities in healthcare in the in the early 2000s. And as a consequence of that, what came out of that was a report called Unequal Treatment. And that report detailed disproportionate outcomes in health and in clinical outcomes when it came to certain groups of Americans. And those groups were, if you are, again, part of Americans who are a brown or dark a skin tone, or you are, you know, women or other factors, you suffer from other factors like low unemployment, low income, so low education levels, low food, low, low access to healthcare that you too suffer from these disparities. And they found that after that, after you controlled for education, after you controlled for income, after you controlled for environment like housing, transportation, after you controlled for things like food, made everything the same, essentially, that these disparities still existed, that there is a disproportionate amount of negative health outcomes and clinical outcomes in people with brownish skin tones and that the end conclusion that these are due to implicit biases more than likely. And so that was the second big study that uh, really brought this to the forefront. So having said that, you also mentioned earlier that you've been on both ends of this yourself. Yes. What are we talking about specifically usually? Give me a few examples either from your own experience or otherwise of how that impacts patient care? So that's a great question. Um, so what I was trying to do is in, introduce kind of the, the concept of implicit biases, but so there's the, you know, aggressor, if you will, and I'm just using that term for lack of a better term right now. There's the person committing the implicit biases, relying on the implicit biases to make decisions about things and, and attitudes and evaluations, judgments, et cetera. And then there's the person on the receiving end of that person having used their implicit bias. So being on the receiving end, what we see, how, how do they manifest? They manifest in forms 
in ways that we now recognize as things like microaggressions, these everyday subtle insults and validations that people find themselves experiencing. And so one way that I've experienced those things, I remember being in medical school and after the grades came out, one of the professors pulled me aside and said, oh my God, you did a lot better than we would ever expect from someone of your background. You know, I didn't know how to take that. I was, it was, I was insulted because I wasn't sure what they meant about background. I remember being in high school and expressing to my guidance counselor what, uh, you know, I wanted to do for a future profession. And she said, you sure you want to do that? That's really hard. Why not consider something else? You know, I wasn't that. I felt some, some type of way, you know, because of that. And till this day, you know, these are things that you still think about and you wonder what was the intent of the person. But learning about something about it, implicit biases, it tells you that person may not have meant any harm. They may have not had any intention on causing this type of concern that's still present with me, what, 20, 20, past 20 plus years later. They may not have been aware of that, but the fact that it did happen and the fact that it had such effect on me that I still remember these things 20 something years ago tells you the importance on the receiving end and the unconscious, the unconscious effort or implicit biases that happen and people have no idea about them. You know, it's like if you're, if you're Asian, oh, you know, you must be good at math. That's one that Asians experience. Or, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a brown skinned woman, oh, you know, this whole thing about, you know, ain't the angry black woman, or if you're a brown skinned male walking down the street with athletic clothes on, you know, uh, you must be an athlete. Or if you have access to some type of, you know, pricey high-end car, you must be a football player or, or something else. So those are the types of things that we handle. So it manifests itself in things that we now recognize as microaggressions and the classic mental shortcut pictures of, you know, kind of kind of creating these images in our mind, stereotyping. Such stereotypes, as you just described, of course are going to be very insulting even years later, as you said. How about when someone's life could be on the line or at the very least their immediate health? What would be an example of implicit bias affecting a patient that is under someone's care? This is a great, great, great question. And so an example would be uh, as reported in that study, well, let me go back. There's another study, uh, a, a famous study that occurred where it, 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 was, it was assessing racial bias in pain assessment and treatment recommendations and false beliefs about biological differences between blacks and whites. That was the name of the study. Essentially, what they were looking for is they were looking to see what were people's attitudes and opinions about the biological difference and how that relate to pain management. And I'll give you an example of some of the things that they looked at. So that they asked these doctors, doctors in training particularly, one was, do Blacks age more slowly than whites? And many said yes. Do, do Blacks nerve endings, are they less sensitive than whites? And many said yes. They, one question was, do whites have larger brains? And there were many people you know, who believed that. Do whites have a better sense of hearing? compared to Blacks. There are many people who believe that. 
do blacks are black skin thicker than white? Many people believe that. And so these are examples of the types of beliefs that physicians themselves, things that physicians themselves believe. And most of these beliefs and understanding, some of which have been taught in medical school and, and perhaps continue to be taught in medical school, have their ideology in the medicine of the antebellum period of American society. So we're talking, you know, the, 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 17th, the 18th century and the 19th century. This is where the, this comes from, but it's still very much present with us today to taking the shape of perspectives that are held by younger physicians, in this case, in this study, in training. Now, the, none of these questions are actually true in biological sense, but because these physicians believe such things, it changed, at least in this study, the way they manage people's pain. And so there's this common myth that brown-skinned folks, you know, don't feel pain the same way. And so we've seen study after study it be documented that if you're if you're brown skin and you go you you know you need pain management your pain you're less likely to be managed appropriately than someone who does not look like you kidney disease is another one where because of your skin color it's perceived that your kidneys are you know work better or filter your blood better than people with pale skin and therefore even though the, 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 you know, your, your, your clinical evaluation may suggest that your kidneys are really sick because of that, you put it, you're, you're, you're assumed to be in this group that ends with the conclusion that your kidneys work better and therefore you won't be referred to a more advanced type of kidney care. And so what happens, we will catch your kidney disease at a later state when there's very little options then perhaps we could have offered you if we would have made the same type of assumptions that we would if you were considered criminal white or, or with lighter skin. So we see these things happen in medicine all the time. And it's just not in a clinical sense. Studies have also been done to show that even in selecting who's going to become doctors, there's implicit biases at play. Even when selecting who's going to be physician leaders, there's implicit biases at place. We find one study where residents were way more comfortable with selecting men than they were women for leaders among themselves when it came to, to their training. So th these are some of the examples I think that you're asking for. So scary information there to say the least. In summation, doctor, what is the main tip in a nutshell, you'd give our listeners for recognizing and managing or addressing implicit bias if they see it or experience it. Well, implicit bias isn't something that one would readily see because the whole concept of it is it's a bias that you're unconscious of. So we're talking about things that you will not be able to recognize yourself. And the only way to come to terms with this is to really seek out tools that can evaluate you from a, a, a very objective way. And there are tools out there. The most famous tool is the implicit association test, also known as the IAT. And this test was also developed by Dr. Greenwald, who's one of the two authors of the original implicit bias study um, that coined the term implicit bias. And this is available out there. All you have to do 
you know, search the web for the implicit association test. And once you come up and find a link, the actual link is implicit.harvard.edu forward slash implicit forward slash select at test.html. But once you go there, you can take an implicit association test. And there are all different types. There's one for skin tone, gender, race, age, et cetera, disability. And you can take the test and you can be made aware of the potential implicit biases that you may or may not have. And we find that once you're aware of it, then the question is, okay, I have these implicit biases. What do I do about them? There's been some research to suggest that there are some things that you can do and I'll go through a few of them. Number one, you can replace, try to understand the stereotypes you may hold. Again, stereotypes being those mental pictures you get when you think about a person, you know, replacing those type of stereotypes with non-stereotype of responses. So an example of that may be, you know, Asians are, are, are better at math. Well, actually saying an individual who's studied math most likely will be good at math. You know, doing the mental type of exercises that forces your brain to think that way. The second one would be visualizing images that counter the stereotypical image. So if the stereotype is that wealthy black men are athletes and rappers, countering that with perhaps, you know, an image of Barack Obama, quote unquote, a black male, but in, by some measures, definitely wealthy but is neither a professional athlete nor a rapper. So images that counter the stereotypes that you may hold. And then it's, the third is evaluating individuals by individuals of a group, by their own attributes in lieu of the stereotypical group attributes. So taking each person as a person, recognizing that they're their own person, they have their own qualities about them, their own characteristics, and using that to make your judgments and form your opinions and trying to do that purposely for every single person. The other would be take a perspective of a person of a stereotyped group. So if you are a male and you know, there's the stereotype that um, women can't do very strenuous physical things, immersing yourself in a group of women where you understand their perspective on that same activity. Engaging, the other one would be engaging with people outside the groups of people that you're most familiar with. So that would be if you are, quote unquote, not an ethnic minority, then immersing yourself around people who are and getting to know them on an individual level. And so all these all these things have been found to help people rely less on implicit biases because the research suggests that we rely more on these unconscious biases when we are in situations where we have very little time to make a decision. We suffer from fatigue or lack of sleep. We have a lack of a relationship with the person who we're, who we're interacting with. And we have to depend on more recalling, you know, things than, than not. And we ha have to perform it front of an audience. Those are all things that doctors have to do every single day. So we're, we're, we're right for depending on our implicit biases when we're into encountering patients. Well, folks, we trust you now have a better understanding of implicit 
minority, medical bias for better patient care. Dr. Watson Ducatel, much to think about going forward there. Thanks so much again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Same here. And Dr. Ducatel will be lecturing on this important topic during ACOI's 2022 virtual subspecialty focused meeting scheduled for May 12th through 14th. Additional information available at ACOI.org. We look forward to future podcasts where we'll continue exploring issues of importance to you. For additional information, please contact the ACOI directly at 1-800-327-5183. You can also email at ACOI at ACOI.org. And you can also follow the ACOI on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you found this podcast helpful, please do share it on your social media. And thanks for listening to Docs Off the Clock, a podcast sponsored by the American College of Osteopathic Internists, hoping your health is good health. I'm Joey Wallace.